Hey, Chicago Fire fans. This is Nick with the Feed the Fire podcast, hosted by Glass House Soccer. I am happy to be back with you talking all things Chicago Fire as we look ahead to this weekend's matchup against FC Cincinnati. That's right. On Saturday, March 18th, if you're still with us after your St. Paddy's Day celebrations, looking at you, Southside Irish, uh, we are going to be hosting, and by we, I mean the Chicago Fire, are hosting FC Cincinnati 7.30 kickoff time on MLS Season Pass, and the game is played right here in Chicago at Soldier Field. But that doesn't mean it's going to give us much much of an advantage because historically Cincinnati has won three of four games uh, at Soldier Field or at Chicago Fire. Uh, So not a good historical matchup for us here. But we're going to take a look at it. We're going to preview it. We're going to break down Cincinnati, the fire, and a little bit of fire news and what we can expect in this matchup. Before we get into all the great details, I need to remind everyone that our podcast is sponsored by Skira Icelandic spring water available at your local 7-Eleven. And trust me, you're going to need a bottle or two or three or four or a case for all the yelling you're going to be doing at the Chicago Fire this weekend. I know I say that every episode, but I mean it every episode. All right, let's dive right in and look at the Fire's opponent this weekend, FC Cincinnati. This ain't your same old Cincinnati from years back. This is not your wooden spoon contending Cincinnati. They took They turned their corner last season, making the playoffs, getting a good seed, and putting on a good showing at the very least if they didn't advance very far, right? This year, again, we're only in match week four now. Cincinnati is two wins and one draw on the season, but their offense has not found the same kind of dynamism, the same high octane that they were able to get in. In large parts last season. They only have three goals in three games, but again, we know how good they can be with Acosta pulling the strings and Brenner and Vasquez up top. Another piece of roster movement with FC Cincinnati, Nick Hagland is out for a red card suspension, but they did give him a contract extension. So, you know, good for Nick Hagland on the one hand, um, but good for the fire that he won't be in that lineup. Maybe they can take advantage of a little inconsistency on the defense. But as far as FC Cincinnati goes, they're mid-table in the league in terms of offensive stats. Like if you want to look at progressions and expected goals and assists and shots and all that sort of thing, even goals, they might be on the lower end with only three and three games. Um, They're mid-table as far as their offensive numbers go. So they're still looking to get back to where they were for large parts last season. Uh, But they're still way ahead of the fire. And again, the fire are going to be down players due to injuries and red card suspensions. Looking over at the Chicago fire, sadly, I expect them to pretty much do what they did against Philly. The fire recognized that Philadelphia is a better team, that they're more talented, and that the fire were down a lot of players due to injuries. I expect the fire, just like they came out against Philly, to take a defensive setup to have those kind of two blocks of four that Ezra had to maybe get away from his typical um, four, two, three, one formation and maybe play with uh, three center backs and then clogging the middle of the field, not letting Lucho Acosta do what he does best. And that's create plays. Uh, But I don't know if the fire are going to be able to do that because of everyone who's out. 
Not that it helped him get a point on the road against Philly. Now, again, if you're glass half full, oh, wow, it took a 90th minute defensive collapse for the Fire to lose to the probably best team in the Eastern Conference at Philly. Okay, that's a real glass half full approach, and, and I am not taking that because at the end of the day, you need points, you need results, you need something to build off of, and the Fire got none of that out of that Philly game. But I think it's what they're going to do because of their personnel issues and because of the talent gap. Um, they're probably going to find or, or look to find a striker on a counterattack. And it's going to be Shabilko since Kamara is on a red card suspension. Same with Herbers. He's out on a red card suspension. And uh, Jairo Torres and Federico Navarro, an attacking midfielder and our defensive mid, also still have injured hammies. I would not expect to see them back in this game, it would only be the second game that they've missed. And usually a mild hamstring injury is two to four weeks. And and I would not want to rush these guys back at all. So I'm looking forward to six weeks at a minimum for these guys. Additionally, not sure if Mueller is back to hundred percent. If he was, I would have expected him to start against Philly. Instead, he comes in as a second half sub. So also Shabilko took a shot to the head, which officiating, say what you will about it, should have been a yellow card potentially reviewed for a red. Um, he looked to be a bit out of it during uh, the time after he took that hit. So I wonder if he went through any sort of league concussion protocol or club concussion protocol and if he is going to be available to start that matchup. I assume since he finished the last game that he is going to be the starter because, uh, again, we don't have Kamara due to red card. I just read this week that Georgios Kutsias, Yorgos Kutsias, uh, the, the Greek U-22 signing is not even in Chicago. If he's even in the country, as we've all been joking about online, he's running on Greek time. Of course. They should have told him the season started in the beginning of February. Then maybe he would have made it by week four. Um, so the fire are really thin. I would love to see Bezerra in this game. I would, I really want to see him. I don't know who else the fire are going to use unless they just play some sort of odd sort of shadow striker or just they leave Shabilko up there by himself and then try to drop nine or 10 field players, you know, 10 players behind the ball, nine field players behind the ball. Um, I don't know, but I, but what I do know and what I absolutely expect is that they're going to play very defensively and look for counterattacking goals. Right. Um, the one other thing that I would expect from the Chicago fire is them is for them to try to improve their passing numbers a little bit. Uh, you saw it from their first game to their second game. Uh, that they did improve. They completed probably 100 more passes, had a little better passing completion percentage. Uh, but if you're going to improve in that and try to control the game a little bit more, right, control the game through possession, it's going to be in their own defensive half of the field. Uh, we saw it against Philly that most of their completed passes and good passing did come in the defensive third of the or defensive half of the field. And most of their passes were in that central area when they were trying to turn over Philly. So that's what I would expect. Uh, again, don't get your hopes up. Don't get your hopes up, though, because F FC Cincinnati does like to press. They do like to counter press. They look for quick balls forward. So maybe the fire will have uh, better passing possession numbers, or maybe at least they'll have better defensive numbers. But what will they have to show for it? And again, as you know, as I do my post-game recaps, uh, I always try to read the stats and compare it to what I saw uh, while actually watching the game. So even if I do expect the Fire to have better numbers or a better statistical performance than their first two matches, I'm still not convinced that that is going to actually translate to 
a draw, or three points for the Fire. And again, historically, Cincinnati has won three of four games while away at Chicago. And the overall series, though, historically all time, it's even. I think each team has um, three wins and two draws, or three wins and a draw. Uh, so that would be uh, a change in the history if the Fire actually win this one. But as we look at trends, since he's a team that's improving, the Fire are a team that is stagnant or getting worse. However, here's your silver lining, Fire fans. Not that I, you know, trying to douse the Fire so quickly, uh, but they really haven't given me much to, to go on. Look at the bet MGM odds. As of this morning, March 16th, the Chicago Fire were at plus 140. They're favored because FC Cincinnati's odds were at plus 175. The draw is getting plus 240. So the odds are slightly favoring the Chicago Fire at home. Now, maybe this is similar to the NFL, the National Football League, where the home team is getting two and a half or three points because they're just the home team and there is so much parity. Maybe that is the case of these odds makers that, well, the fire are the home team, there's parity and this and that. So yes, we'll, we'll give them a slight advantage, but I think you can get ahead of the, the odds makers and the bookkeepers. If you follow MLS, because clearly the odds makers I don't know how they can favor a Chicago Fire team that's down at least two starters. And starting a 19-year-old goalkeeper as great as Chris Brady was last week against an FC Cincinnati team who's coming off their best season ever and has a phenomenal offense. Anyway, there's some slight favor of the Fire in the bet MGM odds. Maybe you should go throw a few bucks on Cincy and make some money off of that. Now, let's look real quick at some Chicago Fire news. Uh, as I alluded to earlier, uh, Brian Sandalo reported earlier this week that the striker, Yorgos Kutsias, is not in Chicago. Um, I am actually really surprised that the Fire haven't figured this out. Like, why is he not here with the team yet? Why is he not available uh, in, in match week four, right? The Fire's third game. It's like every time we rip on the front office... They go out and do something nice, like sign a U-22 international striker who's got a lot of potential, like Kutsius. But then they turn around immediately, and he's not available for a month. Like, I don't understand how this could go wrong. Now, if anyone knows what's going on with this situation, please tell me. Find me on social media, Twitter and Facebook, at GlassHouseSoccer, or email me, GlassHouseSoccer at gmail.com. Let me know what's going on with Kutsius. Maybe I'm totally off base here in criticizing the front office for not having their their new young player available within a month of the season. Uh, maybe there's some other loan obligations that his old club, PAOK, has to, or PAOK, if you want to abbreviate it and be cool with the lingo, uh, maybe there's some loan obligations that they still have to fulfill to the Greek team they loaned him to, Volos. Uh, or maybe there's something else going on, or maybe he doesn't have his work visa or maybe he just said, forget it, I want to take some time off and hang out in one of the Greek islands, because who doesn't want to do that if you can? Really hoping my wife can find some well-priced tickets this summer. Anyway, that's a sidebar. Hopeful thinking, wishful thinking. Um, but 
I just wish they could get it right where we actually get the player and get to use the player. Now, last season, same thing with John Duran. We knew the talent and the potential this kid had, and they kept him on a real short leash. They didn't allow him to really do much. Uh, and then all of a sudden, he's banging in goals and gets sold for a boatload of money. Why aren't we seeing Kutsius? Supposedly, he's in the same kind of mold as Duran, though not as physically strong and big or of a presence, but still talented enough to be to be banging in goals in the MLS at a young age. Uh, I wish he was here. I wish he was scoring already. Also, uh, the fire along the fire news front, they have signed Alonzo Aceves on loan from Liga MX side Pachuca. He is a left back, and I don't know if he'll be ready in time for this match, um, but it is pretty clear that they this is almost an emergency signing when you have Miguel Navarro picking up yellow cards and still not playing very well, uh, and there's really no depth along those wingback positions. We know how much Ezra Hendrickson wants to play that 4-2-3-1 and have his wingers, his wingbacks, bombing up the field and getting involved in the offense. Um, we've seen Suquet try to do it, their new signing from France, uh, on the right-hand side and kind of lock it down from there. But every time he gets pushed forward, he's not in a good position to recover defensively and is usually scrambling. To his credit, he has been getting back, but at age 31, I want to say, maybe 32 by the time the season's all said and done, he's not going to have the legs to sustain that, especially moving from France League One right into MLS play. So we'll see if uh, Ezra tweaks anything tactically or formation-wise as we get some of these new players in. But essentially, he's here to cover for Miguel Navarro. Uh, or put some pressure on Miguel Navarro because the Fire do have an option to purchase Aceves at the end of the season. Also, he is a U22 initiative signing. Previously, he was on loan over in Spanish League Two side uh, Real Oviedo, so getting some decent experience over there. Um, and and hopefully, again, he provides just some more options along the back line because the Fire need it. Now, all of that being said about the Chicago Fire, about FC Cincinnati. Uh, and about the odds, I had a hard time coming up with a prediction for this game. You know, I hit the NYC game on the head 1-1. Um, I said the Fire would lose at Philly 2-1. They lost 1-0. So I've been kind of in the ballpark for these first two predictions. Um, I'm going to go out on a little bit more of a limb here and really say that Cincinnati gets back on track. I think this is 3-1. Cincinnati over Chicago Fire. They're going to get their. They're going to double their goal total on the season in this one match against Chicago. Um, I think Ezra is going to either be too. I think Ezra is going to screw up the substitution patterns. I think he's going to wait too long. The Fire are going to get burned, and they're going to give up uh, extra goals trying to push forward. I'll give them the one. I will give them that one counterattacking goal when since he has an odd lapse or just some kind of ridiculous breakdown in the back line. Uh, but you know what? Celentano is an improving goalkeeper and he's getting better and better. Uh, and what's kind of cool to note, you got a matchup of Chicago area goalkeepers. I think they both might be from Naperville. Roman Celentano uh, is from Naperville and is playing for Cincinnati and Chris Brady. I also think he's from Naperville and is now starting for the fire. So pretty cool to see that three of the best MLS goal, young goalkeepers all from the Chicago area. I'm including Slonina, who's now with Chelsea. All right, so again, my prediction, 3-1, Cincinnati. 
Just to touch on a little bit news from around the league, just to keep everyone up to speed, CONCACAF Champions League is off and kicking, and we have seen the first major disappointment already in the first round. Austin FC of MLS eliminated by Violette of the Haitian League 4-2 on aggregate. Wow, did Austin FC lay a stinker in that first match and then was just playing. It just had to go all out and score another four goals uh, in order to advance. Winning 4 nothing in that second leg didn't happen. Also, Orlando was eliminated by Tigres. 1-1 on uh, the away goal rule. Uh, it was a 0-0 draw uh, at Tigres and then a 1-1 draw in Orlando. Tigres advances on the away goal rule. Go ahead and chime in with how much you hate the away goal rule when it doesn't go in your favor. Um, LAFC advanced past Alajualense and the Philadelphia Union advanced past Alianza. Uh, and then Vancouver came out firing 5-0 in their first leg and advancing past Real España pretty easily in the second uh, leg there. Um, honestly, though, you, we have three MLS teams advancing just because of Austin, how well they played last year, their talent, and the fact they were playing against the club from Haiti. I think that this was an underperformance by the MLS teams, um, only having three clubs advance and not four. I, I LAFC and Philly were shoo-ins. Um, Austin should have been a shoo-in. I would have given Vancouver a little less than a coin flip, you know, odds to advance. I think they, they should have advanced by Real España, but I didn't know too much about them. Um, and Orlando is the only club where I'll excuse them not advancing because they're the only one playing a Liga MX club. And not just any Liga MX club, Tigres, probably the biggest and most successful club in North America, arguably. So I, just because of Austin, I'm going to say this was a subpar performance from MLS. Also now, though, the remaining three MLS teams are all in the same side of the bracket. We have LAFC taking on Vancouver in the in the quarterfinals, I believe, in the next round, and then Philly taking on Atlas uh, from Liga MX. At the very least, we're going to have one MLS team in the CONCACAF Champions League semis, uh, and then hopefully we have one team in the final. Um, other big games to watch this weekend that I'm going to kind of keep an eye on. Seattle versus LAFC to open the weekend. They get the early kickoff time. They get all the coverage to themselves. Um, well-played Apple TV that's going to be a fun one, at least it should be. I mean, it's only match week four, but is it too early to say this could be the Western Conference final, Seattle and LAFC? Who knows? Uh, also, I'm keeping an eye on Dallas and Kansas City. Dallas, can they keep their offense going? And Kansas City, can they get their offense going? Kansas City still has not scored a goal through three games. Let's see if they can open up an account here in the fourth. Uh, as far as the Eastern Conference goes, I'm taking a look at New England versus Nashville. Uh, I think Philly and Cincy are kind of the two top teams in the Eastern Conference, but this New England-Nashville matchup can really show us how Nashville is starting to stack up against its Eastern Conference uh, opponents now that they have moved back to the Eastern Conference from the West with the addition of St. Louis City to the mix. Uh, I, I want to see how Nashville can handle uh, some of New England's stars, and does Nashville have enough pieces around and outside of Hani Mukhtar to continue to have them uh, get points out of these matches and maybe get a win here while on the road. Uh, is Schaffelberg going to continue his fine form that we've seen? Gosh, that signing from TFC looks better and better every time he finds the back of the net. Uh, this could this matchup could kind of set the tone for that kind of like four through six spot, four through eight spot in the Eastern Conference table. So that's what I'm looking here. 
Well, that's all I got for you in this episode of Feed the Fire. Again, uh, if if I had to tell you, if I was a betting man, I'd be betting on Cincinnati. I'm picking them to win 3-1. to one, But also, there's a lot of other fun games going on this weekend that I, I am looking to take in and check out all over Apple TV. Um, if you like the episode here, make sure you like and subscribe on YouTube. Uh, I put these out on YouTube as well as wherever you get your podcasts. We are on Spotify. That's the main place to find us, but also on Apple, Google, and Stitcher. Uh, and you can come on over and check out the homepage and get the RSS feed if you so choose. We also are putting out MLS trivia videos uh, and World Cup trivia videos over on YouTube. It's like game show style thing. I have a, a you know 20 questions are cycling and I give you the multiple choice answers and you just got to shout it out before the timer goes off and you get the answer revealed. Uh, and then we're looking to add some more content on that moving forward. So make sure you like and subscribe now. Get in early so you don't miss any of the fun content that we will be putting out. I want to thank you all for listening, for viewing. I really do appreciate it. Enjoy all the matchups this weekend. And Fire fans, enjoy the match as best as you can. Thanks for watching. Hey, Fire fans, this is Nick from Glasshouse Soccer's Feed the Fire podcast, reminding you that if you want to quench your thirst, reach for a bottle of Skira Icelandic Spring Water available at your local 7-Eleven. Icelandic for clear, Skira water comes from a spring in a government-protected nature preserve in Iceland with naturally low mineral content. This isn't your average water. Clearly, pun intended, it's one of the best. Make sure you grab your bottle at your local 7-Eleven.